Good evening, dear listener, and welcome once again to our bijou, cosy, warming, infuriatingly infrequent and yet positively enlightening podcast all about the enigma that is Chelsea FC. You're listening to The Podding Shed. Now, our last episode was at the end of January, so cheekily, I decided, much like the magazines do, to call that the February episode. Um, We are now in mid-March, and therefore, as the kind of workhorse behind The Podding Shed... This will be the March episode. Uh, yes, folks, despite, despite the move to a monthly-ish frequency, we still pod when we want. Tonight, despite their gainful employment doing stuff that is really important, I have yet another stellar cast of pundits ready to chew fat ears and even themselves to bits just to bring you the view from the front line. These are fans that go to games. They run the full gamut of emotions from joy to heartbreak just so they can joust with each other verbally and offer informed and ill-informed, well-judged and misjudged, thoughtful and knee-jerk comment for your enjoyment. And they do it all for free. Uh, oh yeah, chaps, I meant to tell you about that. It's free. You're not oh, going to get I'm any off. money for this. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Cheers, mate. Right. Also, tonight we will try to uh, try a slightly different format in the sense of free-form conversation rather than uh, match reviews. Um, there are plenty of reviews to read and other fantastic podcasts are available. Uh, this is a slightly broader conversation, um, and though I am happy for specific matches to be referred to, of course. This is episode 91. The episode is as yet untitled, but of course our dear leader and promoter Nick, our very own version of Don King, will will cast his expert eye and ear across the recording and undoubtedly pluck a title relating to something caring, compassionate, catastrophic, cruel, cracking or even crackers. So, let's <coughs> crack on and start by introducing tonight's Podding Shed Luminaries and Glitterati, starting with me, of course, uh, Tony Glover, um, also known by my Twitter handle, gross at UK. And for tonight, I will be the Anne Robinson of the evening, keeping a beady <laughs> eye on the guests and making sure they answer all the questions asked whilst wearing a black dress. First of all, our chief... And a ginger wig. And a ginger wig, <laughs> and a ginger wig yes. Uh, first of all, we have, and you heard him there, our chief provider of musical interludes, generally, and off-piste comment, um, Donal, a.k.a. Dr. Underscore Blue Bio. Welcome, Donal. Uh, good evening. And of course, um, we have, as whilst we improve the service, we are undergoing some technical difficulties and therefore musical interludes are something that we are working to bring back at a later date. Next. The orchestra went on strike, basically. Yeah, basically, that's what it is, yeah. Uh, Next, and back for another session, we welcome back the lovely Kweku, aka at number one is Chelsea on Twitter. Welcome back, Kweku. And we are assured, we are assured that he is with new microphone tonight. Let's see how he is with out. new microphone and ready to roll. Oh, he sounds like he's sitting next to us. And, and, and one day, maybe, he will be. And finally, as a super bumper bonus, we have the Archbishop of Podcasts, the man at the top, the Pele of podcasting, the Cruyff <laughs> of comment, and on top of that, a man willing to buy me a beer before and after the game, and the chair of the Chelsea Supporters Trust. A very, very warm welcome to David Chidgey, also known as at Stanford Chidge or at Chelsea Fancast. Good evening, Chidge. 
Tony, I, I, you know, to think that I, I wrote that myself and, and had to pay you for the privilege, it, it, you know, it almost pains me. Yes. Mate, I, I, I'd happily buy you a pint anywhere just to see that wonderful, huge, <laughs> loving, cheeky grin that we see in the cock before and after a match, yes, we, we, It's a pleasure we, to be here. And it was a joy last weekend at the Palace. It was, game, wasn't it? We really did have a laugh and uh, it really was. It, uh, and and I, sort of sh- I listened to the fan cast on Monday night and I, I, sort of, I tend to agree with you. There was almost a touch of like, oh, bollocks, the football's going to interrupt this you know it was a, it was we a, had complaints about that somebody somebody put on twitter he said you know 20 minutes in and they're still talking about the pub get on with it yeah 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 <laughs> i won't tell you what my reply was yeah, yeah so mine would have been something along the lines of um yes other podcasts are available or yeah. you can just fuck off <laughs> yeah you know um yeah so anyway <laughs> on to the football um and as we uh, we work towards this different format tonight um might well become a, a regular discussion point as tonight we are going to look at the state of the chelsea nation now we had a glorious glorious season last year um we were a hair's breadth away from a a famous double um, emulating a previous Italian incumbent into the manager's role um, but we just fell at the last hurdle but we still won the premiership we still won it with some style um, and we won it I think to the surprise of a good large percentage of the Chelsea um, uh, fan base uh, uh, this season has been different we've we've not struggled I wouldn't say struggled but we've we've toiled harder uh, we've produced less in the way of great results everybody has been left uh, in the trail of, um, let's be honest, a, a, a magnificent Manchester City team this season, um, and uh, and uh, so it's not just us, but we do seem to be making life even harder for ourselves. So I want to talk about the state of nation, and I'm going to start <laughs> with with a, a, a view that's that's quite controversial. Um, we're, we're recording this the night after a three nil defeat um, in the Champions League by Barcelona, um, five days after uh, a two one victory over Crystal Palace, which to my mind should have been six nil um, because we were that superior to them until eight minutes from the end or whenever it was we decided to bring Alvaro Morata on. Um, but so uh, you know, so so it's been a bit of a mixed bag. But generally in twenty eighteen. Um, and, and including our last broadcast, you know, it's been it's been up and more down than up. I think so. I want to start off with a question around the structure of the club because I think what we're seeing, in my view, is a kind of chickens coming home to roost situation where our disruptor model that we introduced back when Roman came in, this idea that we we would buy the best players, we would get a coach or a manager, and I still prefer the word manager to coach, who would come in, piss everybody off, uh, would be ours, uh, we would love that person to death, they would be Chelsea through and through, and we would ruin football, I think was the phrase we were told once, um, but we would do it and we would win and we wouldn't give a monkeys. Um, and I just think now we're probably reaching a point where that model was done, done and dusted, and something else is needed. And the one that seems to be prevailing is this um, idea where a football club has a complete business operation on one side. And on the other side, underpinning all that, is a very successful, very stable football environment. And when I say stable, I don't mean 20-year managers. I mean a stable environment. I mean a stable academy, a whole process. Ownership of the football side is almost separated out from the business side but the business side understands that the football side feeds that thing so 
my question, and I'm going to throw this straight at you, Chich, first, I think, okay, but I want you all to sort of join in, feel free, and, and whatever, is around the ownership, because I've reached a point where I'm thinking the problem is at the very top of the club, and that we have an owner who is almost following an archetypal, and, and this is quite topical, Russian kind of culture of uh, being this despotic figure at the top and what he says goes um, and my question is is Roman Abramovich Vladimir Putin light <laughs> and nothing is ever going to change while he's in charge and he will persevere with the model that is now being discredited and, and I just want to frame that to you as well because since 2012 uh, now six years I don't think we've built on what we did there over to you well, I mean, much as I'd like to have seen quite a few players zapped with the, you know, the green toxin that was found in Salisbury <laughs> over the years, I don't, I don't think that dear Roman has quite reached those levels yet. But you know, I think, I think you have, I think you have a semblance of a point. You know, it is the Russian way, uh, and it is ultimately his club, and we conveniently forget that. I think, uh, I, t- to be honest, I, I don't think any of this is irretrievable. But I would agree with you entirely that it that it it you know something has to change and quite possibly his attitude because we seem to be caught between the devil and the deep blue sea here. You know, on the one hand, there seems to be, from what we understand, a reluctance to spend money, and on the other hand, there seems to be a reluctance to actually populate the boardroom with people who know anything about football. So, you know, one if, one if not both of those things, I think, need to be addressed. But I really don't think it's irretrievable. And I think the other caveat that we have to put on it, Tony, is that, you know, and maybe this is a Russian way too, I don't know. But what we do know is that we never really ever know what's really going on behind the scenes. Mm, yeah, and I yeah, think that, yeah. that actually, that, that vacuum, which I think is quite deliberate, uh, really does fan the flames. And, you know, it starts with the press who get, you know spun stuff and we know they do there are several journalists who are privy to more information than the others but they are spun it and i don't think there's enough critical judgment or analysis of what they're being spun but nevertheless it does get spun and then it goes wild everywhere else and of course the 24 7 news cycle helps to fan those flames too so i think it's quite a complex issue but i really honestly mate i I don't think it's irretrievable Mm, it's interesting i mean um Donald, what about you? Do you think that that, we're, uh, that I'm onto something? That does his background, his background of, of you know uh, coming from Russia, does that mean this is now our default modus operandi? Are we are we just going to be like this forever, or do you think he has the capacity to recognise the the requirement for change, perhaps? Um, or is he even at fault? Do you think it doesn't even? relate to what whether, he is, he, whether he's a fault or not i mean anyone anyone who's a a billionaire um who owns a football club will run it the way they want um i think the difference between roman abramovich and probably city um is uh, city have an endless access to funds now you know, we are still Chelsea are still spending money. They just can't spend money the way that yeah. Manchester City and PSG and some of these other clubs do. You know, mm. uh, we we spent big for a while because 
you know, some of those other clubs didn't have access to those funds. City certainly didn't. Um, you could say what's happening with Liverpool. There's, they're owned more by a, a business than by an individual. Um, are, the idea that the football side... Yeah, Manchester City probably have been cute in that they've set up a director of football, and, and a, but but the cynical would say that that was just done in order to make sure that they got Guardiola and that he came, you know, to put in people that he would work with. I, I do agree there's a problem, or I, <clears throat> I I think there's a problem because as as the man in the street or on the Clapham omnibus, I don't know who runs the football side of Chelsea anymore. Mm. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And I think I think there are a number of people, you know, Bruce Buck and, and such people, Marino, Granovskaya and so on, get an enormous amount of stick. I don't necessarily know that's always deserved. But I see them as the business side. Is there, a, is there someone directing the football side? I don't know. And I think there are a few figures in the background who've always been there. Who? So I, I often wonder, as each successful manager comes, has his period of success, and somewhere around, normally it's somewhere around late April in their first year if they're successful, or in their second year, you start to get all the rumours that everything's not quite right in the background, and this is at the point where um, fans are solidly behind that person. We saw it last year with Conte, mm. and. Suddenly, things start to unravel slightly. You hear the first whisperings, and then you get into the the full on season where you know gradually. And I'm not saying the wheels have fallen off this season, but you you you're constantly reminded that there's there is a a problem. Is Conte staying? Does Conte want to stay? Does Conte want to go? Does the pub want him to go? And I can't help but feel that, that there's some sort of turf war that goes on in the background uh, constantly at Chelsea between those people who want more control as in the coaches managers but perhaps don't just want control want to see a football side to the club that has a bigger say than it does you look at the academy the academy has been absolutely stable it's it's you know there've been mm. some personnel changes but it's been run in a in a clear stable fashion with with a clear set of aims a clear set of policies, um, people working their way up in the coaching system there, and, and the people at the top seeming to know what they're doing. Yes, they've got you know the finance to do it, but they seem to have known what they're doing. That does not translate across to uh, the first team, and that possibly is something of, of what you're driving at, Tony. Is yeah, um, our clubs. Abroad, I don't know this for a fact, but you asked the question: Are they are, are clubs more connected from from top to bottom? Um, certainly, you want to see that the first team being run more in the way with more stability. But is, is that is that because of Abramovich's personality? I don't know. Yeah, I mean, it's, I want to bring Quecker in. I think at this point because I was going to say, um, I, 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 I'm, I'm, you know, we're almost possibly, you know. Uh, almost discussing the undiscussable here because there is a, a vast swathe of people out there that will say well we are what we are because of him 
Okay, I, I've alluded to it in the past of saying this: the, right, the relationship between him and the club or the fans or whatever is the abusive father, the, the 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 guy that will beat the living crap out of you one night because he's pissed off with you, and then to make up for it, will bring you some sweets the next day, you know, uh, and so you have this cycle of of, of up and down. Um, Quicker, I do appreciate your thoughts because I, I'm looking at the structure of our hierarchy, and to me, right now, right now as it stands, since Emanalo went. It is absolutely 100% business-oriented at the top level rather than football. There is no football representation on the board. And therefore, do you think, should we as fans start wondering whether a change at the very top would be good? Would we count an incident? And are you worried, and I'll get an opinion from all three of you on this, are you worried that we could end up like the Guidermax saga at Portsmouth? Okay, um, I'm going to disagree with all of you. Um, there's Good. nobody, nobody. <laughs> just to be, just to be nice and easy. There's nobody on this podcast who supported this club for less than 25 years. Not one. Not you. Not me. Not Donal. Not Chidge. No. I'm only now, 18. Quick. <laughs> liar. Yeah. <laughs> I've seen that beard. Um, <laughs> I have to disagree with all of you because um, we have to look at the what has actually happened and then make the judgments based on what we've what we've actually seen in front of our eyes. Roman came in in 2003. We all knew that with the money was going to come pressure on the people who manage the club. He was obviously very um, harsh with Claudio. We had Jose. Jose won us the league. He was vindicated. And, you know, I'm, I'm, um, I was one of the people who I was on Sky News when Jose was appointed. Um, and I remember uh, saying that unless he finished higher than second and got us further than the semi finals of the Champions League, then he should get the same treatment as Claudio. How did that go? Um, but. <laughs> go on, carry on, sorry. Um, but, um, yeah, I'm glad that they've uh, they're not bringing that video out of the archives. It's mm-hmm. not one of my finest ones, um, but at least I set the challenge for him. Um, but that was the that was the pattern. Every manager who came into the club had a had a task to do, and in fact, if you actually look at the at the history, the challenge for Chelsea managers over the period has actually got easier. When Jose came in, it was win the title. If you didn't win the title, when Claudio came in, it was was win the title or lose your job. When Jose came in, Jose won the title, and that that eased that that itch that uh, that scratched that itch. Okay. Yeah. Jose then left the club, not because we weren't uh, on course for winning the title, but because we were um, we had all those disagreements in the background over money, which arguably he instigated. We then had Jose followed up by Avram. Everybody didn't want Avram to stay. The club got wind of it. Roman got wind of it, and this is where I, I have to disagree with the with the analogy of Roman with uh, as being a sort of autocrat. He's obviously an owner. It's his club. He, he he's going to run it the way he he wants to run it. But if you compare him to some of the other owners that we've seen in this in this period, you can't even begin to compare him with the likes of Hicks and Gillette or Guy Demac or Vincent Tan or any of these other people. 
he's he's gone there he's given the managers who he's appointed the, the funds to do their jobs and give them the clear tasks what seems to happen over and over and over again possibly with the possible exception of uh, Carlo Ancelotti is that the managers after they've initially won the title then start demanding more now I'm not going to to allow any more and I, 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 I was one of Jose's biggest champions I, I cannot allow these managers to continue to throw strops when they don't get what they want in the second season if you are appointed as a football manager your job is to manage the players your job is not to go to the board that's the whole reason why you're appointed because you look at a squad and you say I can manage these players to to a better extent or to better achievements than the person who came before me otherwise why are you taking the job your job there therefore is to carry on and and get on and do it not to constantly throw your arms around because you're not getting extra funds or because you can't deal with a particular situation now uh, my respect for jose comes from the fact that in the sec in the third season 2006-7 he did have that argument but he continued to manage the the squad accordingly and we could have won a, a quadruple but we're now getting into situations where you have Jose in his second uh, spell and Conte now in his second season, where if the manager doesn't get what he wants, the whole team and the whole club has to suffer. Now, there there are institutional problems with us at the moment. We don't have a director of football. We don't have a, 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 a philosophy of what we want to do with the team. I agree, absolutely. And I've written at length about this. But to try, while you should always look up to the person at the top there's just simply no um, evidence to suggest that Abramovich is interfering with either Conte or Mourinho those second seasons um, that we've had from Conte and Mourinho are just not good enough it's nothing to do with not uh, not having money in Conte's case he's had nearly 200 million pounds it's nothing to do with the players not being good enough because quite clearly the season before they were champions in both Jose's case and in Conte's case. <clears throat> so we have to ask what is going on with the management in both cases to cause these problems? So I'm, because I'm, well, it happened uh, with Ancelotti as well. Yeah, yeah. Ancelotti. I mean, you this know, is... I, I think that, yes, you're right. Man, you know, the managers, they come to the club. We don't know what they're promised. We don't know what the what goes on in the background I would and I'm not laying it at Abramovich's door I'm saying it's a a structural problem with the club they they keep wanting to appoint extremely successful um, managers um, or coaches from top clubs Um, they obviously have uh, reasonable discussions but somehow we always end up with this misunderstanding that they want what they want and the club doesn't want to give them what they want no I'm I'm gonna, I think it's, I, it's where gonna, that breakdown occurs that I'm, I'm I, wondering. Yeah. I think if so, there's an error, if there's an error on the club's part or on Abramovich's part, it's this: that I don't think they read the small print on the managers that they hire, because it's very clear that we keep on going after quite combative managers who um, have a very clear idea of what they want. And I said on this very podcast. Uh, uh, almost a year and a half ago that the Conte had had exactly the same problem at Juventus and if we didn't give him the money there were going to be issues you could, it, it's there on the, I'm on gonna, the podcast I'm going to jump in there quickly because um, yeah. I know I know uh, I know Chidge is is, is is busting the gut to come in I, I, I kind of 
I, I still stick to my guns. I, I, I think, whilst I, I take your points on board, this is this is not a new cycle. This has happened from day one, and 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 for a, a, a multi-billionaire owner of a football club with pretty much the same board, you know, with Buck and uh, Tenenbaum and all them still there, um, to not read the small print on the managers they're hiring just seems. Um, you know, this is Einstein. You know, keep doing the same thing, expecting different results. Chidge, over to you. Well, I, I think a lot of what Quex and Donal say is is valid, and I would have made much the same point. But I think it, again, you know, ultimately, it, 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 for, to me, it boils down to two things. You know, on the one hand, it, it's this vacuum again, and if I go into that first, the other thing is is expectation, which I'll do afterwards. But you know, when you don't have anybody on the board who really understands football and who can, you know, implement a, a vision, come up with a vision and a philosophy for a football club. When the manager comes in, particularly if they're high caliber and ambitious, which is, you know, the kind of level of managers that we like to hire, they then, you know, assume the power and they assume that they have complete control, which of course they don't because the only person who has complete control is Roman. And then of course, they don't get his ear. They have levels in between uh, them and and Roman, and that's where it all goes off the rails, like we've seen numerous times. You know, and I think this is absolutely, you know, why where we get into a mess and why we seem to just hit the reset button every two or three years, like Groundhog Day, and everything gets thrown. You know, all the babies get thrown out with the bathwater, and you get this chaos and, and dysfunction. But- and hang on a minute, and that's why. It's absolutely imperative, I think, that we change tack and we have to hire a a, a superb, high class, world class director of football. Yeah, you know yeah. somebody somebody that can communicate up to Roman and down to the manager, and also, and here comes the other point about the expectation: when these high caliber, world class managers don't win us what is expected, i.e., a title, a Champions League, or whatever, and they get fired. The, the club's football philosophy and identity and vision and perhaps bringing in some of the young players, for example, <laughs> carries on. Yeah. Because if that doesn't happen, it's, we just see what we see time and time again. Reset, reset, reset. Yeah. Can I just, yeah. Can I just make this point? Because I think it's really critical that, uh, and, and, and almost no journalist uh, has made this point. And I'm, 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 I'm quite shocked at that it's not being made. The problems only come if you go back through all... All the history of the managers under Roman, the problems only come when we're in danger of not qualifying for the Champions League. Yeah, this is this is. It, it, why, it, why do you think that is? Like why, why do you think that is? Because the club's entire model is based on getting Champions League. Well, revenue. it's business, mate. It's business. Exactly. They, they set exactly. their budgets. They set. The, I mean, not only do they set, and I know this because I talked to Ron Gourlay about it several years yep. ago. Not only is it is it quantified on qualifying for the Champions League, they're set at getting to the quarterfinals of the Champions League. But even look at the, just go back through the managers. The problems with Conte, we're not, uh, we're on the verge of not qualifying for the for the Champions League. The problem with Jose, Jose in his second spell was given up to Christmas when we were when we were virtually at the bottom of the league to get it right. He got so many votes of confidence, I've I've, I've lost count. And then he eventually went because it looked like we weren't going to qualify. Same with Villas Boas. He left as well because uh, we were in danger of not qualifying for the Champions League. Same with Scolari, in danger of not cha- qualifying for the Champions League. So the pattern is is is. What all about the Carlo? Well, Carlo was was slightly different because we were still in that um, we were still in that vein of um, c- 
competing for competing for the league and, and, and generally I think the squad needed a revamp but I don't think the, the club trusted him. Now, I disagree with the way the club handled that but I think if you look at the trend, the problems always come in earnest when we're not about to qualify for the Champions League. Yeah, it's it's just it happens over and over and over again. And Conte the same. If Conte cannot take this squad into the Champions League, the, the, as you said, as was Ron Gourlay, um, um mentioned all the way back to you, and as all the other chief executives of uh, Chelsea have, have probably been thinking since then, if we don't qualify for the Champions League, and especially this season, we're going to fall behind Tottenham and Liverpool. And I'm gonna, I, I, I am actually gonna come on to that, and I'm gonna come on to that a bit later, and I just, I, I'm good, just gonna let you jump in, Donald, as well, because I, this, I'm enjoying this, and I want the three of you to spark off each other here, but, um, I, I want to add into this, because you touched on it, I think Kweku's, or, 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 might be new, or, actually might have been one, if anyone had proven, touched on the fact that I've, I've mentioned in, in the kind of bullet points that I put forward to this, that, you know, how do we shape up in terms of organisation to perennial successful clubs, such as Bayern, Rail, Barcelona, and now Potentially City, okay, because what I see at City was a house built for Pep, but wouldn't have mattered if it hadn't been Pep, because it's been built in the image, if you like, of Barcelona in that sense of of a, a, a very good man at the top in, in um, the, is his name Tixi Bajistaran, I think you pronounce it or something like that, yeah, okay. Um, Chiki. You, uh, Chiki. Register yeah, yeah, thank you very yes. much. Yeah, yeah. Um, but you've got that, and, and you've got this. You know, they they have been building to this for years. They've managed their fans' expectations. Who were, you know, their fans probably came from a lower place than us. You know, I, I remember watching them in the playoffs to get out of the old third division. Okay, they've come from a lower place. They've been. Uh, having sand kicked in their face by Manchester United. I think. From, I think to be know, fair to City, Tony, uh, they, they, I think they're quite similar to us historically. Actually, yeah, yeah. I, th- I think, I agree, but they, yeah. but they, they're sort of ten years behind us on that start or whatever. They are. What they, they are seem now. to have yeah, got. I, what I'd they seem to that. have got. What they seem to have got to quicker than us is a, 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 a much more stable environment. I'm just going to throw that in there because I know Donal was trying to get in there on a point as well. I think. But the only point I was making was that. I, I accept that obviously the stress levels rise when when Chelsea are not looking like they're going to qualify. But on this time around, and I seem to remember it happening before as well, uh, the, the sort of briefing and the you know uh, throwing people under buses started back in the summer. Yes, uh, I mean you had you know you had this thing of it was allowed to basically get traction and was never really um, stopped was, was this idea and I, I don't think it could have happened that way that somehow Conte sacked uh, Costa via text message that obviously suited the club for that to be the but that was Costa you know, that wasn't that wasn't the club or, or Conte yeah. that was Costa yeah but he was trying to get he was trying to get his move yeah but they they never they never no strongly came out and count and That's almost exactly right. they, throughout they, throughout know, the summer there was this this feeling that, that things weren't right at Chelsea. We were getting all this, you know, Conte's unhappy, the board's unhappy with Conte, with back. all these briefings appearing with these journalists that you referred to. Saying. So, you know, we were just on the back of winning the title and already, um, you know, the briefing and the counter-briefing and the, the general upset um, 
had started. So but that's I, Tony, but uh, sorry, Donal, that's because what you have at Chelsea, because of the kind of characters that are involved that we've discussed, is you ha- always have power play and politics. Yeah. Mm. And I think yeah, Conte, no, I you know, because I often say on, on the fan cast, did he not read the memo? Or did he not get given a memo? And I think, actually, he probably was given the memo. But I think he thought, yeah, 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 whatever. I'll win you the title and prove to you how good I am, and then you'll give me the what I want. Exactly right. And they've exactly turned right. around and said, actually, no, mate. <laughs> did you not read the memo? Did the memo not say, though? And I, I said this to you in the pub on, on, on Saturday, either uh, both times, I think, before and after, that we go out and we, 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 we headhunt these top coaches down, which we've, we've done. We're running out of them. They're, they're, I don't yeah. I personally don't think there's anybody out there that's better than Conte that we can go and get. Okay, okay. but at the end of it, what we do is we we tell we come and manage us. Look at this. You know, we, you'll you'll have some money. You'll have this club. Look at this stadium we're building. And when they turn up at the doorstep, they're the milk monitor. That's what they are. Can I? They're, can they're I, the person can who I just... out the free milk. At, 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 they, they are no more than that. And the power that they had or enjoyed or the scope of their role that they had at their previous clubs um, is, is, is absolutely nothing like they can, get at Chelsea. Can I just touch on the footballing side? Because I think that's, that's the most crucial point because this is where all the problems stem from. Because as you pointed out, Tony, the other sides of the club are doing well. The commercial side's doing well. The youth side have won the Champions League. Um, youth Champions League, I think. I think three times in a row now, plus the FA Cup four times in a row. So almost unprecedented, almost unprecedented. But the footballing side is where all of this is coming from. And um, I, I can't remember whether it was Uchidge or, or Tony who said about the need for a director of football. One of the reasons why we need a director of football is so that the team are playing in a way that does not require us to constantly spend £200 million, £150 million every summer, or at yeah. least... Um, have to sell the players in order to spend that kind of money. And and the reason for that is is best expressed at City. Guardiola is spending a lot of money. But the the, the I was having this conversation with uh with Nick who you all know on, on Twitter. When you have a style of football that you play and the players are instinctively um, absorbing it, they get so much better. I mean, you look at the City players, and this is one thing that really annoys me about this season. I'm looking at that City team. I don't see that many players in that City team who are better than what we've got. Save for the strikers, would you say that Kevin De Bruyne is that much better than Eden Hazard? Would you say that Fernandinho is that much better than Conte, than uh, Kante? Would you say that Sterling is that much better than William? I mean, these are players who are just playing in a system that suits their skills and their talents. Our players, by comparison, look rudderless. And they're just, and to my mind, they're just as good in, 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 most, in most senses. We need a style of play that is going to get our players playing at their absolute maximum potential. And then well, the thing is, the thing is sorry, sorry, go on. No, I, 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 no, I want you to jump into it. I'm yeah, yeah, okay, well, I just, my want, just want to pick up on what Quex is saying there, because I, I, I kind of agree with that. But actually, the disconnect's worse than that, because we actually have all this. If you just look at the youth, like yes. every, every age level that we have, they play in a similar way all the way through and it's successful it suddenly disconnects when you get to the first team and the reason for that is that we chop and change managers so regularly so personnel changes we don't buy the right players we get a few i mean you know this happens to everybody i know but there it's just not joined up and i mean here's the other thing quex and i'd be really interested to hear what you think because me donald and tony are all of a certain age Mm. so we grew up in the cult of the manager 
the manager was the was the leader of the club. He was yes. really important. We you know we grew up with the likes of Shankly and Clough and people mm. like that. Mm. But I don't think it matters anymore because I think the whole game has changed and you just do not have managers staying for 10, 15, 20 years anymore. They stay for three or four. They're like chief executives. Their, their turnover is quick. Yeah. So given all of that as well, the thing that has to be stable is the club and the players yes. and the vision yes. and the philosophy. And that's why the director of football is so important. Yes. And, you bring and the also, guy in to motivate them and coach them and give them the tactics on the day and win shit. And then when he gets, you know, he either gets bored or, or screws up or, or hired by somebody else, you get somebody else in, but it carries on. And, you remember and also Shank- you get that link Sorry. between the youth and the first team, which I think is what we seriously miss at the moment and what the likes yeah. of Barcelona, Real Madrid, Bayern Munich, Ajax uh, have done for years and years and years. Yes, yes. And have, you also have Real, have Real done it though. I mean, you, you yes, look at Real are. Madrid. They, well, they, perhaps not. They Real spend an enormous amount of no, money. No, but, but Real Madrid. Real Madrid. Just, and just they change managers. On, just, just a touch on Chidge's point. Um, you, you guys, um, obviously, because you're all much older than me and um, and former <laughs> Grey. Um, <laughs> hold on, hold on. <laughs> yeah, go on, you guys. Uh, Eddie, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you're just you're just lucky that the audience listen and don't see. Um, but the <laughs> the yeah. audience are our age, quicks. Yeah. <laughs> there we go. Me and my ageism. No, seriously. <laughs> you guys talking about Shankly? What was one of uh, the things that Shankly always used to say, which I think should apply to any football club? He used to say the first thing is what you are trying to do as a team. What are you trying to do? Are you trying to? Um, beat the opposition by outpassing them. Are you trying to beat the opposition playing long? But what do you? What is the? What is the philosophy, if, if to use the modern word, um, of the team? And this is the reason why this director of football is so essential because it's to keep the philosophy grounded, regardless who the manage of who the manager is. And just back to the point about the youth yes. integration, Barcelona and Real Madrid. Um, have it as a as a club philosophy. It's in it's inbuilt in their DNA from board level down. That whoever the manager is, whoever the, however much money they spend, there has to be youth integrate. We've got a Real Madrid youth teamer who we bought for sixty million pounds because that is their philosophy. Alvaro Morata comes from the uh, what they call the the Fabrica at Real yeah, Madrid. Yeah, yeah. Um, Fabregas is part of is part of the Barcelona youth team. These these clubs insist on it and we have to do the same so that we don't have a situation where and this is where we have to bring it again back to the managers no one is stopping uh conte from picking callum hudson adoy no one is stopping conte from picking dujon sterling no one is stopping uh no one stopped uh ancelotti from from, from bringing in people like kakuta mckechran these are managerial decisions Mourinho. We, we all know how many and Ancelo- Ancelotti bought in Bruma and a couple of others and he, they, he, they bombed he did. on him didn't he they he did and, that, and he, well, was, I, he was the outlier I, I, I want to jump in there because I disagree I don't think Bruma yeah, did bomb that. on him I, I think uh, and McCutcan I think they were given 20 minutes 25 minutes here and there I will always go back to that Ancelotti game at Stamford Bridge versus Sunderland when we were absolutely without a centre half and Bruma who had done nothing wrong in all the appearances he'd made that season was overlooked and he put Paolo Ferreira in as centre-back and we lost that game 3-0 and I remember it because we were doing the music at the end when the third goal went in and I just I never forgave him for that because I just thought you're a successful coach these you know I go back to this we all remember do you all remember the um uh the semi-final versus Monaco um uh 
way back when in, in Ranieri's last year, I think it was, or whatever, yeah? Do, do we have that? to be reminded? Well, do you remember that he brought on Juan Sus- Sebastian Veron when we were already pretty much out? And I remember thinking, Joe Cole must be sitting on that bench thinking, just how shit do the others have to be before I get a go? Because at that age, and at that point that we had Joe Cole, he was an up and atom, don't give a shit, not scared of your reputation, I'm good. He had that confidence and that swagger about him. And I well, look at the state it. of affairs. Well, you know, I just go back. I'm, I'm, I'm sort of bringing in the point here that, um, that, 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 you know, we, you say Conte, there's nothing stopping Conte picking Hudson. Yes, there well, is. Yeah, Tony, I think there, there is. is yes, I think there is. Expectation. Yes. Well, but but this is the whole point of having a director of football. Yes, I mean, is, is there yeah. not is there not expectation at Barcelona and expectation at Real Madrid? But they're still picking these players because it's in the club's re- requirements. Yeah, yeah. We we can't have a situation anymore where I mean, look at the fa- look at our youth team and look at what they've won, and yet look at the managers we've had over the period and look how many of those players have come through. Oh, yeah. That would be unacceptable at Real Madrid or Barcelona. Yeah, completely yeah. unacceptable. We, I, I, I'm afraid that I, I personally. I, I can't excuse the managers from this. Um, Mourinho and Conte have had the pick of some of the best youngsters that English football yeah, has. But hang on, if, Quest, if it, you're, you're missing the point, mate, I think, because, you know, the, the reason these managers don't play these young kids is because they would rather play tried and trusted world-class players or internationals because they have that pressure. Either they put it on themselves or they feel it from the top to go and win things. But, Chidge, I have to disagree with you again because, as I said... Well, you tell me, Quex, the last Champions League winners who, whose average age was about 21. If you look at Real Madrid and Barcelona's teams, go and see. These are Champions League winning teams, even, even PSG. Yeah, but how many... No, you didn't ask the question. How many of these Champions League winning teams were populated with 21-year-olds? Well, I'll I'll give you the Real Madrid team that that has people like Marcus Asensio in it, that has people... The Barcelona team that has people like Sergio Roberto, people like... um, That's one, two, maybe. But that's one, one or two more than we've got. How many of our players have even? Well, got if we had won the Champions League this year, we not not we will, of course. Now we would have had Andreas Christensen in there. <laughs> yeah, so I, the, uh, the Andreas, point, Cri- the Andreas Christensen. No, but it's not though because yes, it look is. at the look at the Barcelona teams and Real Madrid teams. I guarantee you, I guarantee you that there will be at least. At least, I mean, I don't, I, we're, we're on the middle of a podcast, so I can't go through um, the, the, yeah, the yeah, squads yeah. right now. But I guarantee you there will be at least two players in those teams who have youth team players, at least two, who have had at least 20 to 30 games in, in a season. And the person to to check with this, go and go and have a word with Joe Tweeds about this, because he'll, he'll be able to oh, give yeah. it to you off the well, top well, of your not, head. Not, these, we, I, we are incomparable with these, with these clubs. We don't we even are. have one. But, Andreas Christensen has come from loan. He, he's, he's been on loan in Germany, where he's been playing first-team football for most of the season. He's not even an example that we can use. He's been away from us, and then we brought him back, same as we but, brought Matic back, same as, uh, uh, as Man United have brought Popper well, back. To, and then put him back in the first team when he's had when he's had all of that experience. Right, but I think, I, I think he went he went on loan. We sold we sold Matic. Yeah, we did. Christensen, Christensen actually went through what Chelsea would consider to be. He went on a Chelsea their, loan. Their, their yeah, system. Yeah, yeah. Their system we, now is to send players out to places like the Bundesliga on loan, isn't it? Because they don't. The basic point, point is though, just quickly. to have a manager who plays. Who yeah, plays quick, these players. The, the point I was making is that if you if you are aspiring to have um, um, and I use that word perennial success okay yeah. where you know where 
that you know since 2012 the 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 output or the success of our clubs in Europe from this country has been dismal okay we know that okay um, in fact um weren't we the last ones to win a European trophy with the Europa League I can't I can't think of no Man United no Man United 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 won last year well okay so that's two then since 2012 yippee right so these perennially successful clubs where we know Bayern Bayern rarely spend big they rarely spend big I don't care what anybody says they bring their stuff through and they poach from the other clubs in that league we know that okay but you don't hear of them spending £200 million like PSG did Real Madrid have done the Galacticos thing to, you know, when they were at their peak Galactico <coughs> period, they won fuck all. They won nothing, okay? And they've changed that slightly because they knew that they'd been usurped by Barcelona, who have worked patiently in the background, played second fiddle in some ways, uh, before coming the, 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 the club and the squad they are now. And that's why I have no shame in losing to them 3 0 last night because they are always there or thereabouts. And by I, the way, I look, I've, got, I've got Wikipedia open. I just thought I'd give you a warning. Yeah, all right, okay. But I also now look mm. at City and I think that in a shorter space of time since their, their buyout by stupidly rich people, they seem now to have overtaken us. And once they've overtaken us and put the stability in place so that Pep goes, play, a, a new coach comes in um, and things carry on as normal, okay, and they may have a season out where they don't win anything or whatever, but nobody's there shit-stirring it up and all this sort of stuff, we will not catch that. We'll be, be and they've like, already got we, their stadium. We will 60, be, 60, and they've 000. got that, and we will be another Liverpool, and, and, and that scares me. I think this period is that for me, regardless of of the sort of the, the ins and outs of of the playing side, just overall, this period is probably in the Abramovich era is the most serious period to be out outside the top four because. Yes, Liverpool have Liverpool have a sixty thousand seater stadium and Champions League football. Tottenham next season will have a sixty thousand seater stadium, and if we don't turn this gap around and Champions League football yeah. too, United and City already there. If we're outside of that top, and then don't forget then, Arsenal and Arsenal as well. So if we're out of that uh, out of that top four uh, now, how are we going to catch up exactly. without having to spend? money direct from the owner or at least go back to the owner and get him to invest heavily and then on top of that we have one billion the stadium new stadium costs Chidwell will know better than me is pushing one billion and it's and it's how many years away nearly six yeah. years away still well perhaps we so get, perhaps we we're get not Jeff- in a good way at all if no, we don't qualify we, perhaps we should get, right listen i've got wikipedia open so i'm coming i'm coming back on, on you know you know what i said earlier quex don't bring yes, a knife to a gunfight mate Okay, right. Uh, There are, uh, I'll tell you who's from their youth system, all right? PK, he's 31. Sergio, he's 29. Iniesta, he's 33. Messi, he's 30. Roberto is 26. And Sampa is 23. Their youngest player is aged 20, and he is Dembele. And they spent 105 million euros on him. So, you know, they're, they're, they're really populated by very young 21-year-old youth products. But, but half of those players that you've mentioned have come from their youth team. Yeah, but they're not full yeah, of 21-year-olds like, now. That's, like, that's my that, point. That, yeah, so like the skulls. I want to jump in because I think that... With the whole team of youth But that wasn't my point. It was. My point was that there has to be a transition from the youth team to the first team. Mm. And our youth team 
have shown one or two players, Quex. That's, that's what all we it want. needs to be. I, that, but that's all it needs to be. That's what it needs to be. But we're yeah. not even. We, we don't even have that pathway I, open. I'm just going to jump in and, and, and mediate here. I'm going to do. I'm going to be. Uh, I'm going to be the, the referee here. Um, and I'll, I'm going to ask Donald to. Pop she just come in to start two feet. You know me. I wouldn't have it any other way. Yeah, yeah. He, he uh, I, I used to play the game, Quex. I'm, yeah. I'm on the floor, rolling around, asking yeah. for the referee yeah, to step yeah. in. Yeah. That was your warning shot, by the way. I'm ignoring all your. I'm ignoring all your teammates waving cards, imaginary cards at me. Quick, all right. Um, Donal, um, give, give me calm things down, Donal. <laughs> I'll tell you what, we'll, we'll calm things down and I'll read through. What I'll do is I'll read through the Real Madrid squad in a poetical fashion. <laughs> and if you recognize a youth player, shout out because I, I, I wouldn't know one from the other. I wouldn't know right. half of ours. I'll, I'll only give you one goalkeeper, Kayla Navas. Okay, then you, we'll start with the defenders. We've got Carvajal. Well, he's Portuguese. I know he's not coming from the youth side. Um, no, Carv- Carvajal is uh, is one that he's seen. Um, yeah. Vallejo, he looks young, could be Spanish. Mm. Sergio Ramos. Who? Wow. Varane. We, no, he came French. From France. Uh, Micho, Marcello, Theo. Atraf, Cruz, he's German. Modric, he's your mad Balkan that you've got having any successful team. <laughs> Hazemiro. M. Lorente, he looks young, he might be from the youth side. Asensio, you mentioned him as being from the youth side. Yep. Um, Nico Ko- Kovacevic, another mad Balkan. Sebaioff, Sebaioff, here's my Spanish for you. Ronaldo. See, look, most of these, Benzema, Bale. Yeah. I put again to all of you the question that nobody has answered. Where is the equivalent in our team? Over this entire... This what we're trying to point out, what we're trying to point out oh, is if you get Madrid's main 11 players, the ones that they put yeah. out, they've got to play a big game, not when they're kicking the cojones out of some mob from, from you know, yeah. down south... The, very few of these players ever. But we've fit just, we've and, just. And Barcelona, Barcelona have had the the syndrome that we had with the United. United still have the reputation of always bringing through youth players because of the gig skulls. Yes, they do. They haven't sure. done it yet. And, and sure, that lasted we... for an awful long time. They've now brought in one or two youth players. I'll give them that. But you know, we're at the point now where the first wave of what you could really say was the world class academy are hitting the age when they need to come in. It was instructive, I think, to watch the game where our under, supposedly under-21s, most of them were 18 and 17, when they played Lincoln the other week. You know, this idea that they're all, you know, all ready and they're all going to come in and they're all going to make it, it, you just watch them having to play, you know, seasoned pros who've earned their, their, their corn down in the lower leagues they were too much for them on many occasions. But, but Donald, Donald, so I think you, who would you rather have, Timmy Bakayoko or Nathaniel Chalaber? Chalaber. Yes, I. I, who, I who, we, who, we would you, just, who would you? Yeah, but I mean, yeah. who? Bakayoko appears to be a blowout at the moment. Although everyone was crying. I mean, he, 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 he could still be good. But the point for just, me, good. The, the, the point for me is that. I'm not asking for, because very rarely do you get a Man United or a Barcelona crop of players. Very, very rarely. It happens once in a blue moon. 
But my point, and this is the only point that I'm making, and as a, you've probably had Joe making the same point on your on your podcast, Jidge. My point is that the pathway over the period of all of this success and all the managers that we've had has been closed. Yeah, there hasn't been one. Not one. The only thing I counsel with that is is name name the players that Chelsea Academy products who have left in this last period of five or ten years, who have left and gone on to carve out a career with a top football club. And been world class. I think, the point, in there. I, I think the point uh, I think the point I would make in relation to that is that name the players who we started with who may have if they'd stayed at Chelsea and be given a proper chance people like McEachern people like Kakuta people who have were pretty much badly mismanaged by the managers at the time I mean I, I don't want to get too sidetracked because I know we've got other other issues to discuss yeah the point the point I'm trying to make in essence is that the way we have handled the youth structure and the youth pathway first of all it's different to all the other big clubs on the continent and even in this country and secondly it's forced us to continue spending money on players to fill gaps that youth team players, even in the squad, that youth team players should probably have been trusted to fill. And that's the, the, the reality is, Quex, is that, that this will never change until somebody tells yes. the managers that we hire Quite right. that, that Quite as right. well as either you know either you get into a situation where it's we would rather you bring three youth players in and make them better players and integrate them in our side so they can play with us for the next five to ten years. Or you win lots of trophies. And that, I suspect I suspect you cannot have both. What I would like to see is for them to integrate the two or three best each year while yes. still buying two or three world-class players and then, you know, kind of steadily rotating the majority of the squad over kind of three to five-year period. And I'm going to jump in. I'm going to jump in at that point because that segues beautifully beautifully into into something I want to discuss. So I was going to talk about what's needed at all levels. I think we've agreed it's certainly, certainly a world-class director of football. How that's defined, I don't know. But I would like somebody iconic, somebody who's respected throughout the game. And the name that will always keep coming back to us is Michael Ballack. On the basis that he was a German bloody captain was a fantastically successful player with us against uh, a, a tide of feeling at the time that he wasn't, that he was there to replace Lampard, which he never was, but he was a fantastic alternative to that. Now, we also have, and I'm just going to skip over the impact of the new stadium, because we, that can come another time, but you've led there beautifully into, and someone mentioned... Can, can I just say, Tony, I don't yeah. think the director of football that you want will ever be at Chelsea while the club is structured the way it is, no. because that just becomes another power centre. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. Uh, I, 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 to. I, but I'm, I, I just want to push this on because Chidge, Chidge I, I mentioned in there. is going all Norman, Norman Collier, mate. Yeah, yeah. sorry. Chidge, was, Chidge <laughs> mentioned it in there. Okay? Sorry, guys. This, 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 the whole thing about expectations, okay? Um, and uh, I've, I've mentioned it in there. You, uh, I, I'm in my 50s. Uh, check, Chidge, just, I think you're just approaching 50 or something. Uh, I think, Donald, you might be 30, mate, now. 30. Right, yeah. Uh, but the fact is... Um, I, Last time I saw fifty, it was over the horizon with the glass on. I think I just want to. Make, what I'm saying is, is this whole idea that um, 
and it, it's the modern football um, thing uh, with with fans as customers and the expectations oh. of those fans being out of kilter because you know the club to me to me as a as a grown adult man never managed expectations if they came out and said you know, this is a season of rebuilding, etc., etc., etc. We're still going to try and compete, but you know, hey, we're building something better for the future. And and I, what I see, and I see it, I experience it, I experience it in the cock and in the atlas. I see it in the ground. Is that I? There's a fan divide between, and it's, you can see it across the country if you really want to go that far. You know, in, in the difference between the older generation and the young generation. But at football level, what I see is that the older people, the the, the wizened, um, if you like, wise old heads who have got less expectation, enjoy the good times whilst they last and don't lose it when the bad times come along and think, well, we're just going to have the crack in the pub or whatever. And then the younger generation, what I've called the FIFA PlayStation generation, who expect to win every game. Accept sackings and constant change as a price of success, which is something I struggle with. I, I, I think if it's planned change, fine, but it isn't. It's always an unplanned, ease crap, get rid of them, get someone else in. Uh, let's chuck the baby out with a bathwater and start again at our club. I mean, there are bigger examples of basket clays clubs in Newcastle, West Ham, possibly Leeds United for sure. Um, so I just want your views on that. And I, I'm going to start with you, Donal. <coughs> Um, well, <laughs> it's a discussion I I, point, not a question, but I just think I, I, it I worries me. Uh, it worries me that there's this, this growing fan divide, in my view. Um, well, uh, yeah, I, 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 I agree that that's probably there. Whether some of it is just the the um, the expectations of, of youth, anyway. We've all been young. Um, I think perhaps. When you were younger, going to football before, football was almost a, a young person's thing. You, you all went as a crowd. You went, you know, and it was part of a social occasion. I'm wondering now whether for younger people, particularly with the exposure on social media and so on and so forth, whether that whole, particularly living in somewhere like London and the surrounding postal, circumambient postal districts, whether you know the pressure, the the banter, the you know if you're not doing well, you got to face people at work. I suppose that's always been there, but you know maybe they're feeling that pressure a bit more these days because you it, it's harder to hide away from it. It's it's on the telly, it's on the radio. You know, if I went down and I saw Chelsea lose to Tottenham when I was really young, and you know that was a game they had to win or they were really going to get relegated. Yes, I was very sad, and there might have been something in the evening news or something, or in the daily paper the next day. But then it was gone, you know, because it wasn't on the telly; it wasn't there all the time. So I think younger people are, are growing up in a world where, as, as Chidge said earlier, twenty four seven, it's there all the time. You can't really switch it off. And I certainly, you know, uh, as my wife will tell you, famously, and this, you know, I was old enough to have more sense. I remember when. Uh, was it Sheffield Wednesday equalised against us? Was it in the Glen, <laughs> Glen Hoddle era or the Hullet era? Yeah. I, I just I just got up and left. <laughs> and, and I left. I left. I left. I left. I left sandwiches and a drink. I just I just had enough. You know. Now I was old enough to know better, but you know oh. I was living through the years where you know it had been we hadn't won shite all. You know it's so long, and. 
I think it was starting to get to me. And so if you, yeah, you say now, if you're a young person, you've had all this success, you should, you shouldn't be as worried as we were. But then if they've always won while you've been watching them and suddenly they start losing and falling yeah. behind, you know, that brings its own pressures. I guess so. so. You know, I, I think that's just. It's, it, of, it, it is it, interesting. I mean, I, I'm going to move, take your point. And, and Chidge, I just wonder whether or not, um, I'll, is the older person's view, um, is it, are we just resentful because we had to live through all the shit and that these youngsters have known nothing but success and therefore expect it? I mean, is it just, are we just that well, way or, or, yeah. or is it, is it, is it, were we all like that with the flush of youth? Did we all just go in? Because I don't remember it being like oh, that. But. Mate, thankfully I was very drunk at the time, so I don't remember. <laughs> but uh, you know, what, what I w- I'm going to—I'm actually going to disagree with you, Tony. Here, yes, I don't yes. think—I don't think this has got anything to do with age at all. I, I think you'll find plenty of old people booing players, coating them off, throwing their toys out of the pram if we don't win. I mean, if you remember Chell Tell yeah. uh, from the old old fan cast, he—he he, he wouldn't come out for a week if we lost. Yeah, you know, and he's yeah. always been like that. So I don't think it is age. I actually think there are two things at play here. I think, in a sense, you know, Roman has created a monster in his own image. You know, he he's given us such a sense of entitlement and expectation. And like he, I mean, it was really funny. I was listening to what you were saying about our our behaviour. It sounds exactly like the behaviour of the person who owns the club. You know, we don't like what we get. We chop and change. We want people in. We want people out. You know, it's all, it's all, it's got to be chaos and change because we're not happy with what we've got. And I think in a sense, he's imparted that. And I think that's why I don't think it's an age thing. I think, I think there, there are two types of people, you know, one, one who have kind of got imbued with that, that ethic and others who can kind of rise above it or stand aside from it. I think the other issue that we've got, which is perhaps more of a society, a societal thing and probably links into what you want to finish this podcast up with, mm. but I think football is no longer a game. And this is where you, it is a bit of an age thing because we grew up with it being a game, no more than that. And I think Donald put it beautifully, you know, about what it was like watching football in the old days. It's now being commoditized. So that means that we we are so disconnected from it mm. that we can take it or leave it. In other words, we can spit our dummy out and and kick kick the TV or coat the players off on Twitter or whatever because we don't feel joined at the hip with them like we did in the old days, you know. And I think that's what's happened. It's been commoditized. So like all commodities, you replace them when you don't like them or they get worn out or you don't love them anymore, you know. The, the, in other words, the soul's been ripped out of the game. Something yeah. that you and I moan about all the time. We did, and, and I, I think I, just just I, final point. Uh, yeah, I think in a sense that's why you and I, particularly, because we we're very lucky, we get to meet meet each other in the pub. Not yeah. enough, I would say. Yes, I agree. The modern football works. <laughs> yes, but the joy I have at the football is much more focused around the people I love and feel part of and belong to. I yeah. don't feel really very part of or belong to what happens in that ground for 90 minutes anymore. And I think that's the trouble with it. It's been commoditized. That's a fantastic point. And, and I'm finding... Well, I still love all the players. Can I, can I, I jump yeah, the players? I, I I well, I mean, we, 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 we actually use the phrase... And we used I have to it kiss the them all every night before <laughs> I go to bed. But we did, use the phrase, we did use the phrase in the pub, didn't we, which was, hate football, love Chelsea. Mm. And it became can it's I, become that sort of thing. Yeah, jump in, quicks. Can I can I jump in as the only millennial on the yeah. on the pod? Yeah, well, yeah. yeah. Well, now yeah. you're you're you old. Boo. Bogeys, uh. 
I might not. Talk, I might hurry up, talk, Rex, you might talk, melt. Talking <laughs> down to my generation. Um, no, I, I, I agree with Chidge. Um, hey, thanks, I Rex. I've always liked you. Yeah, I know you have. My favourite. You see, you see, it's all, it's all love on this pod now. Um, but the, the the problem the problem is societal, but it's also uh, a football problem. Yeah. The the football problem is not even the question of Roman. It's what happens when you become a big club. It's what happens when you start winning trophies. People expect more, um, and the press expect more, and the players expect more, and the owner expects more. So it, it's the natural pressure that comes with success. The second problem is the societal problem, and, and this, is, as you know, Tony, is is, is really my, my my area, and also where, where I actually started with kind of Chelsea politics. Because the very first thing that I was involved in um, was to drive the ticket prices down. Uh, when the old Chelsea supporters group um, w- was formed uh, to put pressure on the then Peter Kenyon and Ron Gawley to to chop the uh, Champions League prices down and also the, the league prices down. The reality is young people today are not in the ground. If you look around you, you look around you at Stamford Bridge, people like me are, are freak shows. To, for me to be 34 and to be a season ticket holder at Chelsea is quite a rare thing. And the people I know... Uh, who are my age are also quite rare amongst their age group. Most people my age are not watching Chelsea at Stamford Bridge. They're watching Chelsea in pubs or on their iPhones or on their laptops, or on illegal streams and on all the rest of it. The, 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 the fact is there's a disconnection between the, the fan and the club. And that's why people who are reacting to, to what's going on at Chelsea are not reacting with the same... Uh, I don't know the same calm as some of the old some of the older generation are reacting with because they're not in the ground. That's the first point. The second point is that it's definitely not just an age thing because, as Chidge said, there are people who are much older than me who are sixty, seventies who also moan and scream. And I mean, there was a, there's a guy behind me that the the abuse he used to give Florian Maluda in the Matthew Harding lower when Florian Maluda was there. You wouldn't believe it. The thing is that. We need to, it's not something that we're going to change um, sort of overnight. It will come as and when football starts to return to being a community game where supporters can actually afford to come into the ground and are not paying 50 quid and expecting 50 quid's worth of entertainment. You know, if you're paying 10, 15 pounds, if somebody gives the ball away, then, you know, you're not you're not going to be thinking well i spent 50 60 quid for this where where's my value you know we need to get back Mm. to that kind of kind of ethic that's why german football is seems to be so much more enjoyable because you've got you've got a borussia dortmund chairman who has deliberately said we want our ticket prices to be so low that even if people are unemployed they're not disconnected with their club you know that people can still come into the ground we need to this is where the where we as people who are talking about the club, passionate about the club, agitating for things to change at the club, really need to look at this ticket price issue because it's the first domino along the whole set uh, to, to, to change I'm this gonna, kind of culture. I'm going to bring Chidge in there because I, I'm, I'm intrigued by this. Chidge, you are the chair of the Chelsea <clears throat> Trust. Ticket pricing is something that I know is close to your heart. Um, the new stadium is going to be built. Do you think that will change things? Do you think it's just that? I mean, I, I, I have been a fan since 1970. I have never felt so disconnected 
from the club, from the soul of the club as I do now, and yet more connected to the people I see at the ground. Yeah, I agree with all of that. Um, I, 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 I fear, and, I, and it pains me to say it, as I'm supposed to be in some role and capacity to actually change things, but, you know, I, 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 I feel like King Canute, or King Canut, probably yeah. more accurate. Um, <laughs> with apologies, with apologies to Suggs. Um, but, um, yeah, I mean, it, I, I can't see how we're going to change it. I mean, you know, the ticket prices are obscene. There's been an ethnic cleansing in football for the last 20, 25 years, predominantly thanks to all sorts of things like the Taylor Report, Thatcher, Sky, you know, the Premier League. Yeah, it's, all, yeah, yeah. it's all contributed to this. And, and, I, and I fear we'll never get it back. And I think it, it, it's a disease that's systemic within the big clubs who are now big global uh, businesses. Yeah, It's yeah, all yeah. about branding. It's all about making money from shirt sales and all the rest of it. And, and you know, I, I've often said that Chelsea wouldn't give a shit who sits in the seats. But what they would like is a different person to be sitting in a seat every game. And then they would actually be able to sell more merch and crap to them. You know, the fact that they've got, um, and Quex is absolutely spot on with this, the average age of season ticket holder at Chelsea is is in their mid-50s. And there's no surprise uh, for that, because on the one hand, you know, that, that happens to coincide with when they were very young and they'd just won the FA Cup in 1970, Tony. Yes. Uh, but also, you've <laughs> got to be bloody 55 to be able to afford a season yes. ticket. Yeah, yeah, you know, yeah, you paid down like... your mortgage, got rid of your kids, and you've got a bit of spare cash. If you're in your early 20s, and you're just starting out earning. How the hell are you supposed to afford that? It's just yeah, ridiculous. Yeah. You, you know, you know something, Chidge. Uh, just to quote the the old saying around the uh, thanks, because I was beginning to, I was about to explode. You could tell. <laughs> yeah. You know, you know that old saying around the hallways of the House of Commons, where there's death, there's hope. Um, <laughs> well, yeah, but the, the trouble the, is, the, well, who's going to replace us, Quest? Well, well, this is the point, and this is the not this real is, fans, but but this is why they're all gone. But this is why I think um, in the end, the situation will correct itself and it'll correct itself on basic logic, which is that when the generation of fans who are who are filling up these stadiums go and the millennial generation who has spent all their time watching fo- and are occult- uh, accustomed to watching football outside of a football stadium are expected to replace them, they won't be there. They won't. And that's that's exactly. when the prices will have to come down. But we don't want to wait that long. What the only thing I mean, Chidge, you and I, you know, we go back from all this Chelsea supporters trust work that we 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 done, you know, trying to put pressure on the club and, and, and all the rest of it. We have to keep agitating for this. Because it's a it's not a question of morality, it's a question of basic common sense economics we need a younger generation in the stadium right now because if they're not in there right now they'll never when come. the time comes they'll never come no can they'll i just bring don't, don't know i want to bring a, a, a point in from from uh, just only because i'm trying to balance out the the the, the number of speakers because this has really really been very very feisty and very interesting but uh, my worry is donald that once the stadium is built and it's 62,000 seat or whatever it's mm. going to be okay that um, I, I worked it out today. I will be. Uh, it, it's eight years away, isn't it? Let's be honest. We're, we're not going to be out of there till 2020. Another four years on top of that. If it gets delivered on time, when was a stadium ever delivered on time? So if we say 2025, um, I will be 64 then. Okay. Um, 
and and hopefully still you know with enough money and still with all my faculties and still able to get up to the ground and enjoy it but do you think we'll end up with a stadium of tourists i'm looking at it paris is the most visited city in the world london Mm -hmm. is the second um you will get tourists if you if you schedule it properly and you sold the tickets for it and you you marketed it in travel agents through um, all that sort of stuff you could fill that stadium for a game full of Japanese Chinese any number of um, sporting fans will go there which would you know is that where we're heading it frightens the shit out of me and and, if you build it they will come I believe. Yes, I This is where the old terrible baseball film that was yes. his name made. Field, Possibly, field, yes. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I, I, this is. Yeah, go on. Sorry, no, carry on. No, no, no. I was just going to say. Yeah, well, go. Sorry, you go ahead, Dan. I want. I want Dan um, to. I, um, I I can't see um, the. I can't see the game at, at the top level. I can't see ticket prices coming down. Um, Purely because of of the 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 calculations, the way the way they, you know, the way the whole game is structured, um, it, it may take something fairly cataclysmic to to change it. Um, but I'm 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 not sure that, provided as as you're saying that they can get people in. So I, I was I saw something on Twitter last night. I remember coming back from the Champions League game. Um, against uh, Milan many years ago, well, not many years ago, back in the early um, 2000s, wasn't it? Um, or was it in 2000? Um, and we we went through the airport, and I remember going up the escalator, and there was Dan Petrescu, and, you know, there was Dennis Wise and all that, and we're all, this is like 2 o'clock in the morning, we've just got back from Milan, and we're travelling up, so this isn't that many years ago, mm. Um we're all travelling through the airport together. I read something on Twitter that people had to stay on the plane. Uh, they held the plane on the tarmac because they didn't want the fans in the in the uh, terminal while the players were, were coming off yeah. the plane and going through. And, you know, I suppose in a nutshell, there may have been other reasons for this, perhaps, I don't know. But if you wanted a sort of little picture in a nutshell of the way it's gone... You know, and I'm not saying that the players necessarily want that either, but this, in the end, once you've got it that disconnected, it doesn't really matter who is paying to go and watch because it's not a, a fan base as we understand it, but it's still a... It, it's people who are going to be entertained. They're going to see, you know, a team playing in the Premier League like who, a they, night who the they've theater. watched on television. Well, like a there night there's always a pri- Yeah, yeah. There's and always I, a price to be... Sorry. Yes, well, all I was going to say is it becomes like a night at the theatre, and 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 in in a sense, the way that that's that you would describe that as potentially a, a not elitist is too strong a word, you know. That to go to the theatre is something that you will again you'll probably see an older demographic they're going to the opera, those sort of things. That, that football seems to be pushing itself down down that avenue to me, and and it's a real shame. Because and consciously doing it, you know, yeah, the, the discouraging, it, of, yeah, yeah. discouraging well, of away fans. Yeah, know, the there's, whole, there's, a, there's whole an argument. Yeah. Is, is, is built yeah. towards but, but that, you know, that selling was, tickets for the O2, yeah. you know, to go and watch a band. Yeah, yeah. That, that was that was for Chelsea. Yeah, you know. that was definitely a conscious decision um, of the mm-hmm. of the football by, by the uh, by the Premier League. But mm-hmm. it, there's always a price to be paid, and you're seeing it 
with the little outbursts that are just bubbling under the surface. We've already seen what happened at West Ham over the weekend. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And what was very what was very telling about that is if you see the amount of cross club support that they had from from supporters at Tottenham, even our supporters. Um, but you see some of the supporters on Twitter saying that this is what happens when you suppress um, or you ignore fan fan uh, anger, and and you've also seen the the flares, the the rise of flares as well. Mm. So it's, I hope they're, they're not coming back. <laughs> no, um, well, I think we're yeah. talking about a different set of flares, aren't oh, we? Right, okay. <laughs> right, pyro, quick, pyro. I thought you called them pyro, mate. Pyro, yeah, yeah pyro. pyro. But, yeah, but, the, but, the, but the thing is that it's. It's, there's always a price to be paid, and I, and I think what the clubs need to be thinking now is is not what's going to happen in the next five years because there will be people. The te- the, the stadium capacity um, is still at ninety eight, ninety nine percent take up, but as that comes to its peak, um, and especially when in our case we've been talking about our success. What's going to happen if we're not in the Champions League and we've got a sixty thousand seater stadium to fill? What's going to happen? I, I, I live, I live, um, I live in the, uh, the People's Socialist Republic of Hackney, and lots of people around here. There were people who used to go down to watch Orient, um, and still do. Some of them, I, I pop down there occasionally, but I know quite a lot of people around here who, who you know, generally perhaps followers of lower league clubs or. You know they've come down from up north, so their their club is, you know, up north, so they can't get up there to watch football. When West Ham took over that stadium, you, you could get a season ticket for like a couple of two hundred and fifty quid or three hundred quid, something fairly daft, such that if you said right, it's fifty pounds a ticket at Chelsea or Arsenal, you could you could actually watch the top teams play at West Ham you know, for about £50 a ticket. And so all the other games were basically free. So if you went, you know, you were, it was a ridiculous sum of money. So I appreciate what you're saying, Quaker, and, and there is something in that. But that stadium is also full, or, or not full, has an, a large section of people who are not West Ham fans, but are taking advantage of low price tickets to actually be at Premier League football. But so, I've got no problem with that. I've got no problem, yeah, but, and especially especially given the well, fact that if we but, have, but I don't think price, they're they're not the ones who are sounding off. If you see what I mean, well, so can I just can I just come in there and back, just, back you up on that, Donald? Donald? I, I think I, I I totally agree with you, and that's absolutely fundamentally what's bloody wrong with this all. Because you know we will we'll all die off, and then there'll be like a thirty thousand shortfall. And I think you're right; the club will be filled the next day because basically their entire model is predicated on marketing the shit out of this club. But you're not going to replace the hardcore support that understands the culture of supporting that club. I'm not necessarily saying in the right way, but at least has a culture of support. You're not going to replace that, but you will fill that stadium up and it'll be just like the 20-odd thousand Muppets who go to the London Stadium. Can I just give you a business message? Well, they don't care, though. That's the point. your Your view of a football fan and of a loyal football fan is completely different yeah. to the marketing view. Yeah, exactly. They don't, but the they thing don't is that really want... Thrilling, thrilling since 1905. Yeah. Oh, God, don't they, even get me started. They don't, on those really want, they don't really want sort of noisy, sweary... But, you know, overly no. emotional... Sure, but can I... Can I hang on, well, hold on, let, hold on, let, 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 let Donald finish, please. Yeah, they, they, don't, they don't necessarily... Uh, a lot of these people have done their marketing degrees probably... 
you know, by uh, by distance learning from some small American university owned by Donald Trump. <laughs> and their whole view of, you know, sporting uh, behavior is predicated on what they believe to be the American model of fandom. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and, and, they're, and they're not thinking about these mad people who paint themselves and stand there with cheesy, cheese-shaped hats up in Green Bay. They're thinking of the people who sort of wander around in shorts and sandals, turn up to football, turn up to baseball. My sisters went to the Subway series some years ago, and they were amazed that people just sort of wandered in, watched a couple of innings, wandered out, you know, and this was meant to be a big, big baseball game. Uh, And that's what they really want. They want that sort of, you know, come and eat and buy and and, cheer a bit and, you know, stand up and, you know, do the ninth inning stretch or whatever it is you know that's what i they love this idea of the nfl down in twickenham where you get a sort of you know everyone goes and cheers and joins in but it's kind of sanitized because none of us are going to go and die on the hill that's the jacksonville jaguars are we no no the point i was just going to make is that is there's already a precedent for this which is uh, juventus so juventus are the best supported club in italy okay they built a new stadium. The Del Alpi was about 60,000-seater. Uh, okay. They've had to reduce the capacity to 40,000, not because Juventus are not successful, but because the culture in Italy is to watch football on, uh, on satellite TV. It's very easily available. And that is the culture that we bred in this country. Yeah. So while I appreciate that uh, you're, you know, you're going to get day-trippers, that's not sustainable. It's simply not sustainable at well, that price. I, I, and I, I just want to jump in here because I would say the, 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 the very thing that would attract the, the football tourist in, the one who's going to spend two or three hundred quid in the shop, who's going to go and have the meal in the club or, or whatever, okay, is the fact that it's such a, a visceral tribal atmosphere. You lose that. And then it becomes this kind of, like, as Donald said, and I'm pretty sure the Premier League uh, and, and the way we, we, we the, the chastisement of people who make mistakes, you know, with the, the character spitting as bad as it was, is it a sackable offence? I don't think so. But the way they want to sanitise the game, I think, Chid, you were, you made a, a very good point years ago when I first started listening to the fan cast that, um, uh, I think it was, I can't remember her name, that she used to appear on, 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 on your fan cast, um, and she was looking for a career in Sky. Now, she hadn't, but had she ever done any sort of new modelling, she'd be out of it. That would be it, because that was against their values. Do you see what I mean? Okay, and I, and I think this is where we're heading. We're heading down this sort of sanitised avenue. And I, I, I see evidence at Chelsea. I just wonder whether in the, in the, uh, the 11 years that I've had a season ticket or whatever it is, um, is the atmosphere as good as it was? And I'm, I'm starting to just think perhaps not it could be the the, the kind of sterile nature, nature of some of the football or whatever but it's an interesting one I'm, I'm going we have been going an hour and a half I'm going to call it there we have not touched on some of the stuff and, and I'm sorry to Joe Tweedy because he sent in a, a cracking point to discuss around um, static styles and, and, and are we sort of falling behind others etc um, philosophy is safe for us but I will save that for another podcast this has been absolutely fantastic because it has kind of expanded um and i didn't realize that 
four people, and mainly you three, could be such argumentative bastards. <laughs> um, How long have you known me? You well, whilst, well, whilst fundamentally agreeing with each other, and I loved it. I've absolutely loved it. I'm going to do the outro now because I think it's it's half past nine, um, and I, I I think we've done an hour and a half. Um, um, we, we, I don't want to get into two hour marathons because uh, Chid, you've already done mm. one this week anyway, mate. And you're doing another one tomorrow night, aren't you? For I, your, am. Well, I, I, I still haven't done Kerry's show yet. No, so I want you to uh, spend a minute plugging. The fancast and its spin-offs, Chidge. Uh, right. Well, uh, if you you know, as I as I used to say with alarming uh, regularity, uh, if you don't know this, then you've clearly been undiscovered in the Amazon rainforest for years and years and years. But we do the main Chelsea fancast show on a Monday night. Live, as live. Jonathan likes to say, live, live and direct. Live. Yes. At seven o'clock in the evening. We prattle on for about two hours, although it whizzes by because it's quite structured. Uh, and it's on this thing called Mixler.com, which is M-I-X-L-R.com. And there's a brilliant chat room in there. And, and Tony's in there even when he's on the show and he's talking to people. And it's really active and quite dynamic and great fun. And then we shove it out as a podcast. On Thursdays, I try to do a show with the legend that is Kerry Dixon, which is a very short kind of half an hour show where Kerry and I pick up on the last game and then preview the weekend's game, but uh, sometimes he's a hard man to track down like he was today. Um, and then on Friday nights, we've got this new thing, which is basically we've been invited into uh, a new uh, London-based sports radio station that's kind of in the process of launching. And we have the 7 to 9 o'clock slot on a Friday night, uh, sadly, um, it's presented by not me, he says, with huge ego, <laughs> huge ego seeping out from every pore. Yeah. Uh, I know. No, there's a lovely lad, actually. He tries hard, and I actually do feel desperately sorry for him because he has to try and keep me and the others in order, and his name is Aaron Paul, and he kind of uh, hosts it, And uh, but we kind of set the agenda. It's great for me because I get to be one of the boys again, a bit like tonight, so I don't have to like have the responsibility of hanging it all together. But the great thing about that is that people can actually phone in live. You know, they can phone up like, like all the other radio yeah. stations. You can phone in. So you can either sit there and blow my trumpet or you can coat us off. We don't mind either way. We can take it. Um, but it's on a thing called uh, lovesportradio.com. Uh, which is on 558 AM and also on digital radio. You can, if you go to lovesportradio.com, there'll be a player where it will direct you to a player and that you can get it on things like radio, the radio player app and that kind of schmozzle. And if you want to call us and abuse us, if they get this podcast out like shortish, you'll have time to phone me up tomorrow and annoy me. And the number is 0208, <laughs> 0208 7020 558. So there you go. It's all good Brilliant. fun. Thank you very much. Um, and as, I, as I've always said before, I, I'm, I'm honoured in the fact that I, I get to do this. Um, and we are, you know, I'm slowly trying to move this into something slightly different from the fan cast, but I love doing the fan cast because, um, again, it's the banter, the emails, etc. Um, I'm going to do a couple of parish notices. Um, we, you can pick this podcast up on iTunes. Um, and if you listen to it and you like it, go in and give us a good rating. I don't know how or why it helps, but apparently it does. Um, if you go to Google and type in Poddingshed or Poddingshed.com, you will find a raft of episodes. We are, this is 91. Um, and there's a huge million pound prize for the person that can find episode whatever it was that we recorded our ghost <laughs> our ghost episode which it should be called the Ida Johnson um, the Ida Johnson episode because it, it replicated his ghost goal perfectly um, 
Uh, and and this is why we do the double bubble belt and braces recording now. Um, I'm going to give a plug to the Chelsea supporters trust. I do it every week anyway. I'm a, I'm a paid up member. Um, I am honoured again tonight that we have the chair of the Chelsea supporters trust. So join the trust. It's a chance to get your voice heard by the club. Uh, it's five pound, five measly pound people to become a voting member. Um, can you, can you just um, make it clear, Tony, that because obviously given Chidge's age, people might be misunderstanding. Um, and this isn't. I'm not criticising your, your vocal <laughs> style at all. Can you make sure it, they understand it's the Chelsea Trust and not a Chelsea Truss? Ah, oh, they, they, they probably think that Chidge is marketing. No, that, that's don't, Donald's right. There is something else called the Chelsea, the Chelsea Supportive Trust. Trust, yes. What I, which yes. is what I now have to wear and, when I go to games and have yes. to walk up those huge stairs to Matthew Harding Games. And, 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 and I think we've, I've spotted a business idea for you and me, Chidge, um, outside, <laughs> outside the Atlas and outside the Cock, pre and match, where people could, could potentially help themselves get to the game or home easier. Um, but sign, you can sign up for it. It's you can you can join the, the Chelsea Supporters Trust for free. Uh, you just won't be a voting member. Um, you can sign up at ChelseaSupportersTrust.com um, and uh, I think if you're a paid-up member, you can attend the meetings, come to the events and vote on issues that directly affect you. Um, and as I said, it's a chance to get your voice heard. You can also follow them on Twitter uh, and the Twitter handle is at ChelseaSTrust, one word. Okay. You know what, uh, Tony? Yes. I, I know you. I know you just copied and pasted that from my script that I, I sent have. you because because I recognise how badly it was written. Yes. Well, okay, I, I've used it. It's, it's it's become almost. I'm trademarking it, mate. There you go. Now I know um, why I stumble on it every week. Yeah. Um, the next the next pod in shed will or may be in four weeks. I'm definitely going to schedule one for April um, uh, to to make sure that we get some uh, a, 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 a good variety of people on, uh, and we will pick up on some of the subjects that we haven't discussed tonight. Um, we will continue with the state of the nation. We will continue, and we'll also, you know. Mm-hmm. refer to some of the games we will at that point I guess in April we'll know whether or not there's an FA Cup semi-final or final ahead of us we'll have a better idea of whether or not um, we can catch Liverpool and Spurs for third or fourth place we have to play them both at home um, I fancy us I think the pressure will be off us a little bit now we're out of the Champions League and that may have been a potential stumbling block maybe that was something that was a bit too much um, I can enjoy midweeks again um, now I don't have to sweat over watching Chelsea um, either make asses of themselves or not make asses of themselves like they didn't last night and just go out down to individual mistakes. Um, uh, but uh, I will, you do need to remember this, dear listener, um, all one or two of you, um, we pod when we want. Um, I want to say uh, good night. Good night to Kweku because it's been an absolute pleasure. I knew that getting you on would make it sparky and feisty, and it's lovely to have a view from a millennial. The Lee Catamole of the pod. <laughs> oh, oh dear, oh dear. Um, um, and if, uh, uh, an absolute pleasure, uh, Donal. Thank again, you, guys. On. Loved it. Um, uh, Donal, yeah, great um, stuff. Uh, good to have you on, mate. Um, let's, yeah, let's hope remind, you can... remind me next time, uh, because we've been talking about fandom, uh, I, I don't want to be one to blow my own trumpet, but I have got a, a story to relate about um, my particular brand of, of selflessness in the face of overwhelming uh, evidence that I was becoming a bock. Um, and I will relate to you my, my journey into the into the heart of darkness 
to Nick, James Conrad. I I became Kurtz for a night. Oh, remind excellent! Me to, yes. Remind me to relate this to you. I I, I, I look forward to it. Front yeah. of the horror. I yeah, don't know. Was I Kurtz? Was I Kurtz or was I the fellow who goes up in the jungle? I, I was one Colonel, of them. Colonel Kurtz was the one that he found in the jungle. Yes, he yes. was. Colonel yeah. Kurtz was. I probably no. I didn't. Yes, I probably was going a bit mad. But we'll discuss it. Remind me. We'll open Indeed. the podcast with my personal journey to the heart of darkness. Brilliant. Um, and Chidge, Chidge, what can I say? Um, thank you so much. I know you have a mentally busy week. I know that uh, you have so many other commitments. And for you to take the time out tonight and join in and, and on... on you know, hopefully, which has been slightly different for you because it's been, uh, you know, um, a, 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 a less a less football, you know, related in, in the sense of the actual game on the pitch and what we've seen, etc. At a slightly deeper conversation, I hope you've enjoyed it. Uh, please come back again. Um, you know, uh, and can you bring that big book with you when you come next time, Jid? You know, the one you were getting all those facts and things. Yeah. Sounds really interesting. Yeah, I yes. imagine you're sitting there with this enormous book in your study. In, no, that, well, facts. no. I, I'm afraid it was Wikipedia tonight, don't know, but I do. No, I do actually have. <laughs> no, no, I have. I have, Rick, I have Rick yeah. Glanville's weighty tomb, the history of Chelsea. I tell you what, if, if you if you like your facts and figures, which I don't, but uh, sometimes I need to use them. It's an absolute brilliant tomb. And Tony, it's been a, a real pleasure, mate. And if I tell you that I, I had to get up this morning at half past six, which is unheard of for me, so I could go on to bloody Love Sport Radio and talk about losing to Barcelona last night to an yeah. Arsenal fan. I'm, I'm, oh, it's awful. Yeah, I, I can imagine, and, and, and just to piss us off even more, Arsenal are winning two one at the moment. So yeah, oh dear. No, no, no chance that Milan could have just, you know, humiliated them and got them out. But having said that, you know, um, perhaps the Europa League does need to come. Something needs to come back. This country. Although I, I, I think City do stand a very good chance in the, in the, in the Champions League. Um, I just want to give a plug actually because you were talking about stats and everything, and this is less of a, a, a plug really. But this is a site I use because I think it's possibly one of the most fantastic stat sites for Chelsea for those people who are in it. And it, it, it has the title of the site. It's got nothing to do with it. It's a website. It is www.bounder. Yeah. Friardale.co.uk and I'll spell that. That's B-O-U-N-D-E-R dot F-R-I-A-R-D-A-L-E dot co.uk. You, if, for anybody listening, you will find every single goal, result, game, everything on there to do with Chelsea Football Club. And it, I'm pretty sure, it, well it's free, uh, this guy, whoever's doing it must be doing it for the sheer Unparalleled love of Chelsea Football Club. He might know so, where my sandwiches are that I left. You know, <laughs> I yeah, yeah. He it's might do. Wednesday equalised. Yeah, yeah. Is that Rick Glanville moonlighting again? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yes, I think we so, don't yeah. know, Quex, but I mean, this no, is it's, 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 it's for those that know. It's it's legion. I mean, Mark Worrell swears by this for whenever he's researching for his book. Yeah. So it is. It is the one. Excellent. Yes. Indeed, I think it would. It, it really is that superb. Um, listen, guys, uh, thanks very much. I'm going to call it a night um, and uh, wish everybody the best. Um, like I said, hopefully we'll be back in a month. Um, so uh, it's good night from me and it's good night from everyone else. Lovely. Cheers, Tony. Good night. Thanks very much.